Welcome to episode 68 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Ortiz. This episode is the second in our three-part series looking at maximizing your coaching experience. Last time, we covered the essential factors that make coaching what it is, so you might want to listen to that episode first if you haven't already. What I wanted to underline this time around is that coaching requires a real investment of time, attention, and energy. Simply having a coach changes nothing, really. Treating your development like a project is what's going to make the difference. We love to hear from our listeners, so please get in touch with your comments and your questions about coaching or anything else to do with the workplace. You can tweet us at mypocketpsych or send us longer messages via the contact form on our website. As ever, all the show notes and the resources mentioned in this episode can be found at mypocketpsych.com. Thanks for listening. Pilar, hello, how are you? Hello, I am doing very well, Richard. It's good to be back with you again for another discussion about coaching Great. in the workplace. Um, and uh, it's, been, it's been interesting um, re-listening to the um, last episode, <laughs> which I have to do <laughs> to to do the edits and all of that. But it, it prompted some more thoughts for today. So it's good that we're doing a, a few set, um, different conversations about this topic so we can cover all those bits off. But if you didn't hear the last episode, it was all about um, what to expect from coaching. So we had a conversation about defining what it is, what you could expect from your first coaching experience, how it's different to training. Uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about the importance of confidentiality in the coaching relationship. So um, if you haven't heard it, it might be a good idea to go back and have a listen to that. That's episode number 67. And uh, I also have a recording of a webinar that I ran a few weeks ago. That's on YouTube, which is um, called Considering Coaching. And it covers some of these points as well, but it's a recording of a, of a live session. And I'll put the link to the YouTube video in the show notes. And then you'll have all you need to better understand <laughs> coaching. <laughs> We've got everything you need. That's great. I think it, I quite like doing the separate episodes, focusing on one thing a step at a time, because actually there's a lot to think about each step. So... Yeah. yeah, I think topics this big, you can't really do them justice in, in one conversation. And sometimes it's useful to reflect again. And sometimes we get questions and we can, we can answer them. But, um, I didn't get any questions about coaching, um, since our last recording. So we'll, we'll crack on and I'm going to take it that that means that you and I are being crystal clear. And there's no misunderstandings possible. I hope it's that. I know that no one's listening. That's why we're getting no questions. <laughs> Tell us we you're know listening. people are listening. We yes. know they're listening. Yeah. But just to prove it, listeners, do get in touch. Um, <laughs> now, if you are thinking about coaching for yourself or you're thinking about introducing coaching to your organization, and even if you don't even want to work with us, but you have questions about coaching, get in touch. You can send us a message on Twitter at mypocketpsych. Or you can send us a longer message via the contact form on our website, worklifepsych.com slash contact. So what we're going to talk about today is really um, some of the factors to consider to help you get the best from your coaching experience, because I think it's really important to view it as a resource and an investment. 
And so you don't want to invest your time, your efforts, your own money or your organization's money into it. And then at the other end, say, I didn't, I didn't really get what I was hoping for. Uh, and to look back with regret and to wonder what you could have done differently. So we'll, we'll talk about the things that would be great to consider before your first coaching session and then to maintain as you go through the coaching process. And we thought today, Pilar, you could be the coachee who is going to prep for your first coaching session and ask me the kinds of questions that occur to you. That would be easy because at the end of the last episode, I was already thinking, okay, right now, what do I need to do? Because we discussed what it, what coaching could do. And I was thinking, okay. And, and also, um, also interesting that sometimes I've thought of coaching as, okay, I just turn up and I let the other person do all the hard work. But actually during last week's conversations and some of the others, I realized that, yeah, there is prep, there is work during the session. It's actually, it's not an, it's, I don't think it's easy being coached, easy as in it still requires a lot of focus and energy, which is why it makes it a powerful experience. So, um, so shall we start with my, the first thing on my mind? Please do. And I think just to underline that point, yes, you don't just turn up and coaching is done to you. Mm. Uh, it's not like taking your car to the car wash and it's an automatic process. So yeah, it will involve effort. And that's why you get a, a good result when you put that effort in. So what's front of mind for you? So if I'm thinking of, uh, instead of thinking about how do I prepare for my first session itself, I'm thinking if I know I'm going to have a period of coaching, I don't know if, what, what, what you, you suggest or what you usually do, but I don't know, from three sessions to longer term, I imagine. Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to start thinking of in the long term? So not how it's going to change me, but do I need to... Uh, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I would think as a, as a long-term thing. Is there anything that I should be thinking now that I might need to do later? What, what's that long-term thinking? That's a, that's a really good question, actually. So the way I would put that to you would be imagine yourself six months from now and to say, what do you wish you had in six months? And the answer is often, well, I wish I had some kind of record of what I've learned so mm -hmm. I can look back on it. Um, I wish I'd organized myself so I could keep all of those lessons or those resources or those videos or in one place. That's a very, very straightforward thing. And I'd like to look back in six months and say that I'd invested in this. I'd given it the effort. And so that leads on to lots of questions about the logistics and giving time to this. And as you said earlier, you know, putting, putting the effort in so that you get the return. So broadly speaking, it's imagine yourself in the future looking back at this. What is it you want to have achieved from this? And, um, what is it that you're prepared to put into it in order to get there? I would have never thought of that. I almost, I, I made a note for myself of be prepared to journal in some way. Uh, and maybe that's the first thing is I need to find a space, which is going to be my place where I go to, to, to record my, my process. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I've got, I've got my, I don't use notebooks anymore. I've got my remarkable notebook yeah. uh, or I've got something <laughs> other, online. Other tablets are available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, what, so once I've done that, do I need to do anything else besides start to think about my first session? So I think there's an um, attitudinal point here or a mindset mm -hmm. point about this. It's a form of development. Mm -hmm. 
And I'll put a link to a blog post that I published um, a little while ago about why people don't feel they're making progress with their own personal development. And I would put coaching in the same category. You can turn up to coaching sessions religiously, on time, every time, and still not get anywhere. And the reason is that nothing is really done in between the coaching sessions. So it's a little bit like buying a load of personal development books, but having them on the bookshelf. Mm. Nothing's going to happen unless you read them. But even then, you've got to put it into practice. So very simply, I suggest that you approach coaching and broadly your personal development like you would a project. And that means that for any project, you need to have a goal that you're working towards. What's the end point of this project, the the purpose of this? You need to identify the tasks you're going to complete in order to get to that end point. And really importantly, you need to put time in your schedule in order to carry out those tasks. And that turns a kind of a vague aspiration of, I want to be a good delegator into something that's achieved because it's practiced. And then you can approach it in a very bite-sized way and you will see the change over time and you won't get to the end and say, well, it hasn't made a difference because the kind of blunt answer or response to that is, well, you haven't made a difference. And so just thinking about it isn't going to get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking um, it, in my mind, that could look like after a session, sitting down, making notes or the following day, reflecting back, making notes, putting some action points down. But is this something that you would help me with uh, to as either at the, the beginning or throughout the session to, to, to see how, like, what are the reflection points? Uh, how do I structure my reflection between sessions or my actioning? So- Yeah, absolutely. So I would definitely um, help someone um, plan for how they're going to do that. And I'm definitely an advocate of taking the time to think and write about your experience of a coaching session and what you're going to take away from it, for sure, but also clarity in the session of the action you're going to take Mm -hmm. before we wrap up so that we're on the same page. You said you were going to do this or read this or have this conversation or write this goal, whatever. Um, and you're going to do that. And we know when you're going to do it by, and I look forward to going through it with you next Mm. time, but absolutely people will have a different approach to this. And there's no one size fits all when it comes to reflection. Not everyone will journal. Some people will find that very useful, but at a bare minimum, it's about taking some notes, keeping them safe. And when you leave the kind of enthusiastic atmosphere of a coaching session and you go back to the cold light of your office, it's to then consider, well, how will I keep going with this until next month? And so that's a combination or even next week or whatever it is, but but that's a combination of being crystal clear on the tasks you said you were going to carry out, clarity on why you're doing them, you know, what is it you're working towards and proactively putting time in the schedule to carry them out. If that doesn't happen, then you have an awkward conversation the next time, or you have that Sunday night homework experience of an hour or two before your next coaching session, frantically trying to think, you know, 30 days worth of reflection and and scratch a few notes on a pad. And that's no use to anyone. That's going through the motions of it rather than taking the time. So I suppose from a very simple logistical point, It's useful for you to understand before we work together, you and I, PLR, that you're not only going to be putting time in your schedule to meet with me, whether in person or via video, but also to take action 
as a result of those coaching conversations. So it's not just finding six hours in six months, but actually quite a bit more time than that. And um, that, that's why it's useful to consider how you're going to do that, or even if you can do that at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, because it could be that you can find time for the sessions, but actually that's all you can find. And in mm. which case, as you say, maybe it's better to to find another time <laughs> to do it, maybe. It, I don't know. Absolutely. It might be, or maybe, you know, time is of the essence and it, it could work that way, but you need to have that conversation that um, it's going to be a different experience if you're if you're doing a kind of just in time coaching. Uh, but it, it is useful to think about how you're going to make this habitual rather than an occasional conversation. So how are you going to focus on your development on a regular basis? And it becomes part of how you do things anyway, rather than a strange, weird conversation you have once a month. And also how you're going to do that without, I suppose, the threat that might come from a, a manager or a spouse. This is a different relationship, as we said the last time. So I try and instill an ethos of partnership and team into coaching. So it's not doing something because Richard told you. It's taking some action because you think that's a really good idea for me to do this. And it's helpful to know that I'm accountable to someone. And there's a difference between the two there. I suppose also just take it, it, what you said took me off in a little bit of a different direction. But I'm thinking also of the commitment that you need to make to yourself right at the beginning that you are committed to giving it a good try as in giving the change that this might bring a good try, um, whether it's by how you're practically going to do it. But also, I think, yeah, I wonder how how do you know that you are um in the right place also emotionally. So I'm, I'm hearing that it's not just about time. It's also about that commitment to yourself. It is. And being open to experiencing some uncertainty mm -hmm. or some psychological discomfort because you're going to be doing new things or maybe having conversations you've never had with another human being before because it only existed in your mind. And now you're actually saying these things out loud. So I want to be clear, this isn't about me saying that a prospective coachee has to walk up on day one saying, here's the specific goal, here's exactly how I want to do it. It's not like that at all. Mm. But but once you have had that, that chemistry conversation and you've had that first coaching session, that's the point at which we would hope to say, right, we both know what you're working on now and we know what your first few steps are and we've discussed the strangeness that can come with doing new things. But you've also outlined to me how committed you are to making this change because you want to do it. It's not someone doing it to you. It's not um, an instruction. It's something that you're bought into. And we can't rely on motivation to make that work forever. You know, you might feel enthused after a coaching session, but then as I say, you get back to work and then you can find yourself being busy. So then it's about making it part of what you do anyway, to make it a habit. And then your reflection, your actions, your journaling, your new approaches to different situations, they're not the exception to what you're experimenting with on, hopefully, a daily basis. Mm. And I'm also, uh, I'm also hearing an opportunity that I hadn't thought of, and this won't work for everyone because it really depends on, on, on what interests you. But for someone like me who also likes to learn about myself as well as learn how to change whether it's a skill or a behavior that we're working on in the coaching sessions you mentioned also learning from that coaching 
uh, journey, especially if it's the first time. What does this feel like? How do I approach it? I think if you want to, this won't be for every, everyone, then it's also an opportunity to learn on two levels about yourself. Mm, absolutely. I mean, a little later on, we're going to talk about coaching in action and how um, coaching as, a, as an intervention, as an activity can, can be used in the realm of productivity. And, and if we were working together and you were um, a, a procrastinator and that was causing you problems in your working life, well, the coaching experience would also build your self-awareness. And it would also, maybe through feedback in, in conversation, you might realize some, some things you've been saying to yourself or others, some stories you've been telling yourself that are going to get you um, a win outside of this strict procrastination theme, but more generally. And because it's not a social conversation and it's not really a, a boss direct report conversation, you, you might get a different kind of feedback and you might realize more about yourself. And so that's, that's absolutely true. And it's, it's an aim of my coaching. And most coaches, I would say that, yes, you're going to reach this goal, but you'll learn enough about yourself that you can use the same self-awareness and skills and self-management to help you reach other goals and not start from zero with the coach or a different coach next time. Mm -hmm. So I've thought about the long term. Uh, I've, I've thought about what I want to get from it at the end. I've put some kind of process to capture what I'm learning, what I'm going through. I've put time aside for that. Uh, what is there anything we're missing? Now? Oh, and I'm, of course, open to the experience. And I, I, I understand there's going to be discomfort. Is there anything else we're missing before I go so, into that? First? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's not um, a perfect recipe, but often <laughs> we'll talk about um, purpose and meaning at the very beginning, which answers the question, why? Why are you doing this? Uh, why are you investing your time? Or why are you getting into the swamp of discomfort by having these conversations um, to uncover maybe a, a very base uh, motivation or indeed talk about values. So that's a great way of helping someone connect with a vision of their future selves. That's where I want to get to because that's what I've been saying to myself all this time. And I've maybe drifted from being the kind of person that I want to be. So really, before we get into tactical actions and talking about tasks, we'll really often start with why is it you do what you do? How far away from doing it are you today? And how would you like to be if you had maybe a magic wand is one way to approach it. And so then you've got context and maybe some kind of motivational anchor that can help someone keep going, even when they're doing something uncomfortable or new or weird to them. And, and a question, do you, do you come back to that anchor during the sessions or when things get tricky? I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious, as you mm, mentioned it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I would revisit um, someone's values regularly um, as a topic because it answers the question, well, you know, why would I want to do something that difficult? Well, because you want to be X. Well, why would I put the extra effort in? Because you've already said you want to be Y rather than, oh, just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, you know, it'll be fine when often you can't say to someone, it'll be fine because it won't be fine. It'll be potentially risky. It's not certain. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be weird. So you can't say it's okay. Or I did it. That That's not the point of reference at all. It's to say, yeah, it will be uncomfortable, but there's a bigger prize here which is not only maybe reaching a very specific and defined goal, but putting those values into practice and being that kind of person that you would like to be in 
some specific scenarios. And that's that really connects with the person rather than have you got a checklist for me so I can stop procrastinating. There's a difference between the two there. Mm. I'm going to misquote Sondheim, but it, it, it feels like a very exciting and scary uh, <laughs> uh, experience. Uh, yes. Uh, absolutely. And you can, as I said before, you can always quote Sondheim on this uh, I misquoted him, though. <laughs> it's fine. I probably quoted him well last time. I, have a, I just love that. Yeah, I, I think it is. It's uh, exciting and scary, which is always good. We, we talked about it previously when we talked about how, how values are really useful to us if we if we can get clear on them. But mm. I, I help people connect with how they've done this themselves previously without a coach, how they've overcome adversity or they've done something demanding, but they've done something meaningful and they've persisted uh, to attain something meaningful. Now, maybe it was securing this job that they have. Maybe it was going through their education. Uh, maybe it was something like moving house, but they've done something meaningful and tough and connecting them with the why they did it. Why did you go through the awfulness of a job interview process? Or why did you study for so many years to get that degree? It wasn't just to get that degree. Well, what did it mean to you? Yeah. And then they can understand that recipe a little bit more that these underlying values, that if we can use those to navigate challenges, then it's us being a lot more authentic. And is there anything else to bear in mind or shall we, shall we move into uh, onto what we might do or what we might be addressing? Sorry, not what we might do, what, what, what our goals might be or what we might be addressing during these sessions. Yeah, and and I think I think I mentioned it the last time, but I try and avoid labels mm. um, because people use those on themselves a lot, and it's you know I, I don't want to be inflexible about it either, but but they'll often be misused, and people will use psychological terminology that people use in the you know the outside world, the real world, <laughs> um, but it will be misapplied, and sometimes we'll we'll talk about that if it's going to limit their understanding of what they're able to do, because sometimes we apply labels to ourselves, and that holds us back because we only see ourselves wearing that kind of badge. Uh, and, and I mean, a really simple example there would be the the person who keeps saying and has said in their career, "I'm no good with numbers, so mm. therefore I can't do X," and that's quite a, a self limiting belief. That's something that's going to hold you back. But but so are the other in, um, inflexible labels that, that people apply when they say, oh, no, that's just the way I need to do it. And in fact, we're going to talk about productivity and about putting these things into practice. That's a classic uh, and to be expected response from someone who procrastinates a lot. They say, well, I just need to wait till the last minute. It's the only way I can get the sort of scare uh, right up close to the timeline or the deadline, that, that's the only way I can do things. And that's as inflexible as any other label you might apply to yourself. Uh, unless you've you know, conducted some scientific research using yourself as a subject that shows, <laughs> yes, this is a better condition for me. So it, it, it's not being picky about language as much as it is pointing those out and saying, is that necessarily true all of you all the time? It, you know, and we don't, for example, procrastinate about everything in our lives. There's normally some things that we focus on there. So it's not about maybe, and this is another misunderstanding, it's, as I said, not like going to your GP and your GP saying, yes, you have, um, you've got the flu, there's a name for it, and here's what you can do, and go home, get rest, have fluids, and you'll be fine. It's not about that, it's, it's, about, it's about really um, 
developing a narrative together about what's going on at the moment and where you want to go to, because the label can stick and the label can prevent change. So we want to move beyond something simplistic to something like, when I get anxious about completing a new task, I tend to push it into the future and I want to change that. And that's much more helpful than I'm a total procrastinator. You know, it's, it's too blunt. It's too simple. It's too much of a um, simple label that you could apply to yourself. So I want to go beneath the simplistic explanations or the badges that maybe we've got from, some, from other people as well. And we can pick those up really easily. Maybe it's how we've been described. And there is a point here as well that um, you might, PLR, be entering into the coaching process because your manager has suggested it to you. But what your manager has told you you might need to work on is maybe not the number one thing on your list. And it might not be the number one thing that comes to my mind when we talk about your development. So uh, as much as it's not a diagnosis like a doctor, like a physician would um, enter into, it is about getting clarity on, well, what are we going to work on? You know, there's lots of different things we could focus on here, and that's for every human being ever. But what is it that's going to get you lots of value and help you meet multiple needs here, the organization's needs, your needs, what, what's going to be most efficient here? Mm-hmm. And that can be challenging when you're asked by a manager or the um, HR or L&D, you know, what is it you're working on? Oh, phew, I, you know, I need to maintain confidentiality. And if I'm talking about a group of people, you could say, if I was being really awkward, I'm helping people adjust to dealing with discomfort. And that applies to almost everything that we work with, but it's not very helpful Mm -hmm. to the organization. But we do like labels, don't we? We like categories. And I try and avoid um, using those, if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, um, well, actually, a couple of things that came to mind was that that first session also is really important to know that maybe what we have in mind uh, might change of what the coaching is going to uh, to to give us or where we, or our starting point actually maybe the starting point that when we think we start is actually a bit different after the conversation of the first session is that right mm, yeah okay mm, absolutely and the other thing that was coming to mind is so anyone listening to this podcast <laughs> they've already had quite an insight is it is it a good idea to think about some of these things already like your values and everything uh, before you go to that first session or actually well, I suppose it's going to be, the answer is going to be, it depends, I know, but I can see of, the, <laughs> alterna- of the, the, the alternative at the other end of the spectrum to be, well, actually, I just have a bit of a think about what I want and then we'll explore when I'm there. I don't know. Depends. I, no? I, think, I think you're right. It, it always will depend. But as a general principle, if you can have a good think about mm. what you want to get out of coaching and where you think you want to get to, it's my job really to talk to you about how realistic that might be okay. or whether you think, well, I've got, I mean, th- this often happens. Someone says, well, I've got these three things. And once they d- describe the three things, I might say to them, those three things sound very similar, actually. Could you see that they're connected in this way? Or if there's three or four things, we'll say, well, which would give you the most satisfaction to deal with first? Mm-hmm. Or what would get you the most impact in your job to deal with first? And, and, and again, sometimes that will be a topic that I can't support them with at all. And then we're talking about referring them to um, another kind of mental health support, another professional. But yes, um, reflecting before you turn up and reflecting in between sessions and keeping that momentum going so that it's a process, not a series of separate events, that will mean that your reflection and taking action is an ongoing thing. And we might have a conversation at a chemistry meeting about 
what you would like to work on. But even that could alter your perception. And it means by the time we have the first session, you might say, actually, there's another thing I need to tell you about, or there's another thing I think could be more useful to me. And that's absolutely fine. And we can move the goalposts, if you like, but only when we're doing it consciously with decision, with intent. You know, things happen in the world. And so we might need to respond to them and say, this is a more pressing thing now. Let's focus on that. And we do that with agreement rather than pretending that we didn't have the other conversations. So what are some of the, so, so why, what, what might I come for you to help with? I, I don't think that sentence makes any sense grammatically, <laughs> but I hope you know what I mean. <laughs> and yet with the flexibility of English, I was able to understand exactly what you meant. And um, so previously we talked about how you might use um, coaching um, to support you with a well-being topic or how sometimes well-being comes to the fore as being something that is preventing someone from getting where they want to be because they're not coping well with stress or they're uh, they want to make some ha changes to their habits to support the, their their health um today i thought we'd talk about one of the other big pillars of our activity at work life psych which is around productivity and i'd say at the outset to this that it's rare that someone would say to me or approach the business and say um i need or someone on my team really needs coaching for their productivity generally what people say is they want support with time management yeah i thought so <laughs> does that sound familiar yeah, to you as well yeah and that's not a criticism that's the phrase that's used yeah. out there so i try and disabuse people of that notion really quickly and say well it may be nothing to do with time management it's more probably to do with self management and and that's persisting through ambiguity uh, that's you know being honest with yourself about level of difficulties that's reducing distractions in your environment. Um, none of that is to do with planning your diary, uh, so to say. And in the topic of, of productivity, so sometimes it is about sharing a framework with someone, a tool that they can start to use the, to bring themselves some clarity. Uh, sometimes it is about building some thinking skills to help them better deal with what's preventing them from getting things done uh, in the workplace. Uh, and, and sometimes it's about skills like delegation. You know, that fits in that bucket from, from my perspective. Uh, life is made a lot more difficult in work if we fail to delegate appropriate tasks to the people that work for us. We're taking too much on, we maybe feel guilty about it, or we're being a bit too micromanagement e about it, a bit too controlling. So none of that really is going to be improved significantly or, or we'll see any amount of meaningful change with just a focus on behavior. You know, stop doing that, do more of that. It's much, much more likely that you'll see a coachee um, affect some positive change when they understand why they're doing it in the first place. And that's, that's why I beat the drum for a, a coaching psychology Uh, approach that really takes account of what makes us tick inside what's going on the thoughts the beliefs the motives the values the memories self-concept all of that kind of stuff and sometimes people can be a little bit um cynical maybe about that and they just want to know have you got a handout <laughs> for me just give me the handout and then i'll do it but actually if you talk about self-concept and how do you see yourself you can get a really good insight into why someone procrastinates to the point where it causes them and other people an awful lot of upset or why they take on so much work and don't say no when they're asked to do something. Mm. 
when you better understand what are the stories you tell yourself about yourself and what anxieties are attached to that. Uh, that that's a really good way of approaching that. And sure, you can get to the tactical behavioral tips and tricks further down the line, but it's much more useful to start at that level. And have you ever had to flip it because maybe someone wasn't quite ready to because it, it it yeah wasn't quite ready to start there like with with values and really understanding themselves and you've given them those maybe those tips and then gone okay apply this and then come back and see what you can learn from it or actually because mm -hmm. I think that's yeah, interesting yeah absolutely I mean sometimes people who are very very early on in their career. And it is about maybe a little bit of overwhelm. They're new to the workplace or they're new to a particular job. And, and so we'll talk about some tactical things to give them a bit of clarity, to help them with prioritization or to help them understand the context they're in. But what I, what I try and avoid is building up some kind of relationship where they come to me for tips oh, and they yeah. go away and they do them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sometimes it's through asking, it's, it's definitely through asking questions, you know, like a very simple question when someone says, I just can't get everything done is, well, who's told you that you have to get everything done? You know, that sounds like you're a bit overwhelmed there. What are your key priorities? Or um, if I asked to see your task list today, what would you show me? Mm. And that's a very good insight. Whereas if someone says, oh, I have this app here, or let me open this notebook. But frequently people will just tap the side of their head and go, it's all in here. Mm -hmm. And then that's a, a good indication as to how they're approaching um prioritization and why they're forgetting things or why they're feeling overwhelmed. They're trying to remember everything. And I don't think any of us can do that consistently without dropping the ball from time to time. Yeah, that sounds like a like a cognitive overload or <laughs> I don't know if that's the right phrase, probably not, yeah, but it does yeah, sound like a lot of stuff there. Most of us have too much to mm. do. Most of us have too much to remember. And most of us are exposed to lots of information yeah. anyway, new information. So really having some kind of system you can use to get it out of your head and onto a page or onto a screen, that, that can help. And then it can help you say, well, what's really important on this list? And maybe what could I delegate or what's no longer relevant? And I've been keeping in this notebook or this post-it note for weeks and finally it's too late to do it. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, there is that practical element of how do you do your job? And, and also, what is it about your job that I need to know about that will help me help you? Mm. So uh, the difference between someone who's static and at a desk and in front of a screen all day versus someone who's moving around rapidly um, across or between production plants, they're going to have a very different working approach and, and logistics. And it's not for me to say you need to do it differently. It's to say, how can we help you adopt some principles in the job that you have already without it causing massive disruption? And what else? I Because Richard, to be honest, I feel like I'm ready to step into that first coaching session. But is there anything else I should be considering either about prep or content that I might be exploring? I would just come back to the principle that we, we talked about earlier, but I really want to underline it about, you know, being open, uh, open with yourself, open and honest with your coach so that you're not trying to impress them. You're not keeping um useful information from them it's a it's a partnership it's a team so work together rather than I, I you know i've made a mistake and i can't tell them or i forgot to do something and i don't want to admit that or i don't understand something they said and i don't want to look foolish it's much better if you feel that you can say you know what richard 
pause and say that again, please. Or give me another example of that. I, I really need to get my head around it. That honesty, that openness is going to contribute to the quality of the relationship. And that will definitely contribute to the quality of the coaching outcome. Great. I think, I don't think I have any more questions. <laughs> let's, let's get you booked in then. Uh, we'll have a look at the, have a look at the diary, or you can simply uh, book your session with me online on the calendar. But you, you can see, right, that we've been talking for about 30 odd minutes now, yeah. and we've sort of covered some concepts, but you might need to spend much more time than that oh, yeah. thinking about what you want to do and and in between the sessions. So this isn't to um, dissuade people from using a coach or um, using coaching methodologies, but to say, yep, it's just as you would going to learn a new skill on a training course. You've got to put it into practice. So it's not the day you spend in the classroom. It's that day plus all the time afterwards putting the skill into practical application and like I said earlier, treating it like a project. In fact, you know, some people want to treat it like a project. They give it a name. Mm. And it's one of the projects they're working on is kind of, you know, project me. And I'm all for that. If it means that stuff's going in your diary and it's going to get done, brilliant. Um, so a lot of flexibility there. The main, the main point is that there's some reflection and there's some action. So when we talk next time, we're going to finish this uh, brief focus on coaching with life after coaching because pilar there will be life after coaching <laughs> i want to tell you that now i hope it doesn't require too much work after the coaching <laughs> i've got the measure of you i've got the measure of you no but i mean it's a it's an important point that is um all about the time limited nature of coaching we might meet three times four times six times but there's a limit and part of the coaching process is for me as coach to help you know what you're going to do and, and persist with that long after coaching has completed. So maybe an additional point for you to think about before your first session is, well, ideally, are there other things I might want to address once coaching uh, is over? And how might I extract maximum value from my time with this coach there so I can support myself and, and be my own coach? So, listeners, I hope that was um, useful. Um, as ever, we'll repeat it. Get in touch with your questions or comments. Um, if you're a coach and you have a different view on any of these points, we'd love to hear from you. This is, you know, a, a combination of research-based, evidence-based stuff and a, and a combination of experience. Um, and if you're someone who's benefited from coaching and you want to add to this or, or share your experience, by all means, get in touch. Uh, it's my pocket psych on Twitter and worklifepsych.com slash contact if you'd like to send us a big long message on the website. Pilar, as ever, any final points before we wrap up? None. I wish all listeners good luck with their coaching experiences. <laughs> thank you, Pilar. And everyone, thank you for listening. <laughs>